Why is marriage holy? Find out the answer to this question and more on today's podcast. And welcome to the FBC Natchez podcast today. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Martin, and we have an exciting show planned talking about marriage and why it is holy. So as we start out today, and just before we begin, just want to mention some of these um, reviews that we've gotten. So I've always encouraged you to write us a review, especially on iTunes. It's one of the easiest ones that I can find. Uh, if you if you can go to iTunes and leave us a review in the comment section. But this comes from hashtag M Martin Admirer. Dr. Martin knows his stuff. Exceptional. Well, I can't say I disagree with that comment at all, but uh, I really appreciate those comments. Keep listening to this podcast. Tell others about this podcast. Forward it. Like it. Give a review. Put it on Facebook. Put it wherever uh, your social media platform is and get the word out there that FBC Natchez has a podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at marriage again. It's just one of my favorite topics. I just don't really think that you can really talk too much about marriage. I mean, can you? I mean, can you can you really talk you know too much about something that God has ordained in the life of his people? So, we're going to be looking at marriage and why it is holy. Today's verse comes from Genesis chapter 2 verse 25, and it says that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, I have to admit This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I love how the writer says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. When people get married, they often send out these invitations. And on the back of the invitation, it talks about how the two become one flesh. But they often leave out the next verse in Genesis. Normally, it's chapter 2, verse 24, but they never put 25, that the husband and wife are both naked and they felt no shame. I don't know why they don't do that. But, you know, I might poke fun at, at this verse or saying that it's my favorite verse, but there's there's some truth here that we need to kind of unpack and talk about. There's a reason why a couple gets married that they feel very uncomfortable in the nude. They feel uncomfortable when they're naked. You know, the text says they felt no shame, but in today's world, they do feel shame. And again, that's just a result of Genesis three. It's just a result of sin and imperfection that has come into the world. But I think for us today, it's important for us to know that a godly marriage consists of a couple that is committed to God's principles of holiness in their marriage. And really what holiness means, it's, it's not a hard word to, to understand. It really just simply means to be set apart. It means to be pure, undefiled. It's just different. When someone looks at you in your marriage, you just see something different. Notice how Adam and Eve were both naked, and they were not ashamed to be naked. And they were not ashamed of their nakedness until they sinned in Genesis 3. And the same thing is true for us on the other side of Genesis 3. This is why, again, it is a little bit awkward for married couples to see each other naked. As a result, though, of Christ's defeat of sin, believers can truly experience verse 25 without feeling shame. 
If you're not pursuing holiness, and holiness again means to be set apart, it means to be growing in the likeness of Christ. If you're not pursuing holiness, then you probably are going to experience some shame. You're probably going to experience some guilt. And so how do we make our marriages holy? How can we grow in godliness? How can we be continually conformed to the image and likeness of God's Son? Well, there's some principles that we can talk about. And the first one is that we must be committed to renewing our behavior. As husbands or wives, we need to be committed to renewing our behavior. The idea of renewal comes from Romans chapter 12, where Paul talks about just this renewal of our minds, this transformation of our minds that takes place only by God's word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we want to renew our behavior, which means that we want to put off sinful behaviors, such as sexual immorality, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, drunkenness, like alcohol and drugs. We want to put off those things, and then we want to put on godly behaviors, loving our spouse, having a joyful attitude, having patience, being kind to one another, and forgiving one another. And so this concept of putting off and putting on comes from the idea that that when you're wearing something, like take a, a, a robe or a jacket or coat, for instance, the idea is putting that off, taking it off, and then putting something back on. So removal of a jacket and putting on a different jacket, removal of a robe, putting on a different robe. That's kind of the idea behind that word to put off and put on in the Greek language. So what we want to do is put off the sinful characteristic and then put on a corresponding characteristic of the spirit. So we must be committed to renewing our behavior and not just renewing our behavior. But the second thing is that we must be committed to renewing our hearts. We must renew our hearts. Have you noticed that there's a lot of evil in this world? Have you noticed that this world is a sad place to live sometimes? Whatever it is on the news or whether it is that you read something on Facebook or your social media platform and which it just really disgusts you, it really bothers you, it just weighs you down. Where does evil come from? Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, it's from within. It's out of the heart of man come evil thoughts like sexual immorality, theft, and murder and adultery. Coveting wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Verse 23, all these things, evil things, come from within, and they defile a person. So it comes from our heart. All of these evil things come from within us because we want something that we cannot get, and so we sin because we cannot get them. So please be committed to renewing your heart. And third, we must be committed committed to renewing our mind. The Bible tells us that Christians should be transformed in their thinking. Like I mentioned, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Go back and, and read those verses. Maybe press pause and look them up. But we should be transformed in our thinking. And so how do we renew our behavior? How do we renew our hearts? How do we renew our minds? Well, first, 
it can't happen outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just not going to happen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not going to be able to renew your behavior, your heart, or your mind. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that changes your heart. It transforms your heart. It gives you a heart that loves the Lord. And when your heart loves the Lord, then it's going to transform your mind. It's going to transform your thinking. And then once your your thinking is transformed, then it transforms your behavior. So you're not going to do anything different until your thoughts are changed. And you're not going to do anything different until your, uh, about your thoughts until your heart is changed. And that heart transformation comes from the spiritual cardiologist, Jesus Christ. So what we can do is, I think really the best thing is just read or listen to the Bible. There are many different apps that you can put on your phone. Um, version app, I've heard a lot here at our church that people have that you can get different reading plans for the Bible. You, you can even get different reading plans for different books. But read your Bible. I always tell people, read five or six chapters in your Bible a day. If you do that, you're going to read through the entire Bible, I think, really less than a year. If you're going to do that every day. But just take small chunks of Scripture at a time so you can kind of get the overall themes and the overall narrative of Scripture. And then if you don't really like to read, then buy an audio copy, whether from Audible or ChristianAudio.com or some of these places where you can listen to have someone read the Bible. Also, you can read or listen to books with good doctrinal teaching. Come to my office. I've got books everywhere. I love to read. I had to read a lot of books in seminary. I think I read some, at least for my doctoral work, I think I read, I don't know, over 7,000 pages of some odd reading, uh, not to mention the reading that was in our, um, that was required for our seminars. In each seminar, you're required to read 2,000 pages. So needless to say, I read a lot, but I really do enjoy reading. And I just, I don't know. There's something about reading and just wanting to work on my life and and to make my life better, not just because I want it to be better, but I just want to glorify God more. I mean, don't you feel like sometimes you just don't you want to be better? I mean, don't you want to glorify God more? And specifically, really talking about marriage, there are many books out there that specifically talk about marriage. There's many audiobooks out there. I've got books in my office. If you're interested, you know, come by. We can talk about those things. Listen to some sermons on the internet. Pull up some sermons about marriage. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about the marriage relationship. Colossians, um, I believe in the end of chapter 3, talks about marriage relationships. First Peter talks about some marital relationships. Look, look at some uh, sermons and listen to them. And, and then li- you can listen to them going down the road. You can listen to them cutting grass. You can listen to them uh, doing yard work. You can listen to them while maybe doing some housework, depending on what you do or how you maybe even working out, running, exercising. But re- that's what it takes to renew your mind and to mature in your faith in the Lord. And so by committing your marriage to a high standard of holiness and purity, God's going to be honored with that. God's going to be honored. He's going to be glorified. And God is going to use your marriage as a beautiful illustration of the gospel. 
I've shared with you already on the show that that is one of the best gospel opportunities we have. If you're married, you can show others the beauty of the gospel through your relationship and how you interact with your spouse. If you're ugly to your spouse, if if you're very critical of your spouse, if you nag them, then God's not going to get a lot of honor and glory. But if you honor one another, if you put the other one first, love the other one, cherish the other one, just live a sacrificial life for the other person in your relationship, God's going to get honor in that. God's going to get glorified in that. And then people are going to start coming and asking you questions about marriage and asking you questions. And it's not that you're the guru. It's not that you're the the know-it-all. It's just that you love the Lord and you know what is required to please and honor him. So I've often asked people this and, you know, I want you to reflect about this. If I were to ask you what is one thing that you know now that you wished you would have known back when you were first married, what would it be? What is that one thing that you know right now that you wished you would have known all the way back to when you were first married? So if you're not married, (laughs) pay attention to this. Make sure that you buy the more expensive garbage bags. That's right. That's right. You, you will not understand the frustration that it causes if you buy cheap garbage bags. You fill them up and they're not even hardly full and you take them out of the garbage can. You walk them to the door and the bottom falls out and garbage goes everywhere. Don't scrimp on garbage bags. You go on and you purchase those good ones. You buy those good garbage bags. Now, I say that tongue-in-cheek, a little bit humorous, because that is one thing that I always recommend when you first are married. I know you're trying to pinch pennies and save money and do all of these things, but (laughs) the reality is is that sometimes you really do have to put in a little bit of extra effort and put in a little bit of extra work on some of these things in order to see the dividends, and that includes garbage bags. But when I think about my relationship with Melanie and I think about our, our marriage. One of the things I think that I, I know now that I wish I would have known back then is just the mechanics of communication. Not just, see, I know how to communicate or I know that communication is important, but I just don't always know what the right thing to say or how to say it or when to say it. I think you're listening right now. You, I think we all agree that timing is, is key. Uh, 10 o'clock at night is not the time to start uh, some major conversation. Um, one o'clock in the morning is not the time to bring up some argument that was unresolved. Timing is the key. So I, I think learning good communication when you first start out being married is is a good thing to do and a good thing to learn. So I'd say that is, is good. And and I'm sure you have plenty of more that you can kind of think of that you can share. And maybe you need to share those with some people that are getting married. Maybe you can find a young couple that is about to get married and share some things with them that you know now that you wish you'd have known before you were married. What about this question? Is it possible to find true love? And if so, What is true love? So many people want to find 
true love. But let me tell you this, as you are listening, there's no true love outside of Christ. There's no true love outside of Jesus Christ. People searching for true love will be forever searching and never finding. And once we're content knowing our love for Christ and his love for us, then we're going to start seeing our marriages change. And Lord willing, we're going to see those marriages change for the better. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you today as you are listening. I want your marriage to be better. And having a marriage that brings honor and glory to God is possible. Matthew 19, 26 says nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. And that means God and His holiness must be a priority in our marriage. And how can we make God and His holiness a priority? By simply placing your faith and trust in Christ. Believe in the gospel. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, you believe in the power of the gospel. Those are the first steps to bringing God honor and glory in your relationships. Until our vertical relationship is fixed. There's no hope for our horizontal relationships. In other words, until our vertical relationship with the Lord is right, there's no hope for our horizontal relationships or our relationships with others to be right. We need Jesus, and we need Jesus today. So the choice is yours. Choose today to make Christ your Savior. Choose today to make Jesus a priority in your marriage. And with all of that said, thank you so much again for joining us on today's podcast. Please like, rate, leave us a nice review about our podcast in the comment section. If you have any questions about a particular topic you would like to hear discussed on our podcast, just email me at mmartin at fbcnatches.org. If you feel like this podcast was helpful, send it to a friend. And don't forget to tell others about our podcast. And on behalf of our church staff here at FBC, we love you guys. We're praying for you, and we'll talk to you next time on the FBC Natchez Podcast.